Hey, Woodward's listeners, Kale here. We'll get you to your regularly scheduled program in a second, but first I wanted to do a little self-promotion. We're up to over 100 posts and 1,000 iTunes downloads at woodwardsdetroit.com, and we want to get a little bit bigger, but we need your help. So if you got mad writing skills and want to talk about sports and pop culture, or you got a badass idea for a podcast, send an email our way at woodwardsdetroit at gmail.com. That's woodwardsdetroit at gmail.com. All right, now let's get you back to what you came here for. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Woodward's Filmcast with Mitch Haba and Colin Ward. Let's go and make the greatest movie ever. Yeah. All right. Camera. What the hell is going on? What a piece of junk. That's really not the case here. This is a great script. Look, here's the mic. Now you talk towards it. Here's your host, Kale Davidoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Woodward's Filmcast. I hope everyone is well-rested from their Labor Day weekend. I know we are. Uh, this is your Detroit podcast for film, TV, news, and discussion. My name is uh, Kale Davidoff. I'm here as I am every week with... Colin Ward. And... Me, Colin, and Mitch, we get together every week and we, uh, we sit around and discuss a movie that we've all seen uh, in in-depth discussion, but we decided to change it up. We, we, are, uh, we like to change it up here at the Filmcast. This week, we decided as, as we usher in fall, as we usher in a new school year and the last four months of the year, um, that we are, uh, we're going to like look back on the summer, the blockbuster movie scene of the summer, and, and uh, get, get into a little discussion about that instead of one movie. We're going to talk about our favorite movies, our least favorite movies, what it means for the film industry, all that stuff. But before we get to that discussion, we're going to do what we always do every week, which is start off with some film headlines. Um, Mitch, Mitch seems to want to do this, this, this reoccurring theme every week, which is like this week in reboot news or, or this week's reboot. Cause it seems every, every week we, we get to this discussion of like, there's always news of some movie from the eighties or nineties being rebooted. Um, Mitch, what was it this week? This week in reboot news. <laughs> and that's our theme song. Yeah. Uh, this week it was announced that, well, uh, speculated and announced that Ronda Rousey will star in the Roadhouse remake, or reimagining, I... as they put it. <laughs> the reimagining of the cult classic 80s punch 'em up Roadhouse, starring Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, Ben Gazzara, uh, Sam Elliott, T.S. Sam Elliott, and some other people. So a little background: Ronda Rousey is the uh, the female uh, MMA star who's just mm-hmm. uh, been taking this the the sport by storm this year because she's incredible and she's the most dominant athlete in her game right yeah. now. And you know, there's been this like talk of her taking the jump to f- to film uh, because she, there was this this talk that she's going to star in her own biopic and all yeah. this shit. We talked and, about that. And we talked about that. <laughs> and and now you know now it's like okay, her first film is going to be. Roadhouse. When they're calling, you know, I see it all over the internet. Reboot, and I have, I have a gripe. I have a gripe to, I have, I have a gripe to pick with just the internet and and Hollywood and, and its vernacular. It's like 
they they decided like in the early 2000s that they could start calling remakes reboots like they're not the same thing this is a remake this is not a reboot roadhouse is not a franchise (laughs) there's not there's not fan fiction about this there's not a whole book series about this (laughs) and multi-video games there is a roadhouse 2 okay (laughs) okay i get it but this is not a reboot this is just a remake right the force awakens is a sequel it's not a reboot it's not a remake it's a sequel like the the vanity fair right there says reboot on it it's Bullshit. It is a sequel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mission right. Impossible this this that. year. Mission Impossible 5 was a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a reboot would be Ghostbusters. That's a uh, reboot. When Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four is a reboot. Yes. Yeah. Because they're, they're, it's a franchise that they're completely restarting. Yes. Ronda Rousey will be starting in the remake of Roadhouse. Which, as we know, and we'll discuss later, people love remakes and reboots, and they love franchises that they're familiar with and movies that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Which begs the question: Why are they doing this? <laughs> I mean, come on. Most people are, but probably our age that are fans of Ronda Rousey. The most they know about Roadhouse is a Family Guy joke. Yeah. Am or, I wrong? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Colin, I don't even know that joke. See, well, but are you familiar? House. I mean, how familiar are you with Roadhouse? None. I just looked it up. So why, why, why is this happening? There is like a resurgence. Where is the market for this? There's a resurgence in Roadhouse, like um, cult fandom, recently. I've noticed uh, just the past like two or three years, and I think it has a lot to do with that Family Guy episode. Actually. Probably. I get yeah. what you're saying, but earlier, before the show started, you were talking about how like. The fun of Roadhouse is that it's it's really not a good movie, right? Yeah. It's like Bloodsport. It's like yeah, it's not good. It's cheesy, punch Ridic- them up fun. Yeah, ridiculous st- lines of dialogue and just weird acting and direction choices. But what makes it more fun is they didn't go into it thinking that it was going to be that, right? Yeah. They wanted to make a genuinely good movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why we love it because they tried, they tried, <laughs> and it's just nonsense yeah, almost. It's weird. And it's weird. <laughs> yeah. And like I just don't understand how they're going to – this isn't – you know – Making rebooting or remaking or whatever you want to call it a female Ghostbusters makes sense to me. Like that, mm-hmm. there's a market there. It's a franchise that people love. I, I Ronda Rousey. I don't know why this is happening, but whatever. I don't know why they're not just trying to put her in her own thing. Like go do something original with her as the main character and try and build a franchise off of that. Well, if she can even act. I mean, I think she should do a isn't, little WWE stuff before she She's gets... in Furious 7, isn't she? I, I don't know. I mean, I think she, I yes. I think she had a little bit in it, but... Yet, so. Um, whatever. So that's this week in, in Reboot News. Any chance this is going to be good? The reimagining of The reimagining of Rhoda. I don't think... It will. It will never compare to the original. So depending on what they <laughs> is that do a good with thing it, or a bad depending thing? <laughs> on what they do with it, what they make it, if they make it, try to make it like Roadhouse, then it's gonna fail. If they try to make it their own thing, then you know it could just succeed as a stupid bar punch 'em up throwback. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what this movie is really about. The description on IMDb is: a tough bouncer is hired to tame. A dirty oh, bar. He's not only tough, he's a philosophy major. Oh, perfect. I'm into this Dalton. I'm into this remake. Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> you know, that's Dalton. You don't want to know what happened in Kansas City. Oh, <laughs> uh, whatever. So we uh it, so we did talk about a while ago too that she was gonna start in her own biopic movie. Um and speaking of biopics and uh and, and and people that are still alive to see their own biopic uh you know 
be shown in theaters and admired by people and just in their lives discussed in front of each other. Uh, this new Steve Jobs movie is coming out, and Steve Wozniak has seen it, the co-founder of Apple, and uh, who whose character is in, he is a character in this Danny Boyle film. Um, he said he uh, was shocked and amazed and, and thinks that it's it's the true story. So that's a, that's a pretty big uh, testimony, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, when I hear things like this sometimes from people who are subjects of movies, they mm-hmm. typically have some stake in the movie too. And, I don't think Waz has any stake in this movie. Not like yeah. Ice Cube did in yeah. Straight Outta Compton, yeah. for yeah. per example. Steve Wozniak just seems like a really nice guy. Exactly. So. so when he says something, and I mean, he has nothing to gain from saying positive or negative things. So the fact that he said something positive yeah. is... <laughs> He's already a billionaire. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you, I mean, do you guys think that, I mean, do you think it's weird for him to see Seth Rogen play him on, on screen? I mean, this is not the first time someone's played him. I forgot. I don't know. I don't know if it's oh, Josh Gad. Oh, was yeah. it Josh, Josh Gad? Gad? Okay, yeah, it was Josh Gad. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen Ashton parts. Kutcher. I've seen parts of the other Steve Jobs movie, well, but wasn't it wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, Ashton Kutcher looks very similar to Steve Jobs, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. But um, you know, no, no word on on whether or not uh, Seth Rogen, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I didn't read anything of Steve Wozniak saying that. Like, oh, he is he is the perfect me. But um, I don't know. Do you think that'd be <laughs> narcissistic? Yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't, but I think it's like. Do you think that's that's weird for him to see? Would it be? I guess my point is, would it be strange for you guys to sit there and watch yourselves be portrayed in a movie? I mean, I can't imagine even seeing myself on screen in a movie. But yeah. like, I find it strange seeing myself on screen. I can't imagine seeing someone on screen playing me. Right. What would I have had to do to warrant a <laughs> film to be made about me? Probably something bad. <laughs> well, when they make the um, the movie about the, the, the startup Woodward's of Woodward's, yeah, oh, right. yeah. <laughs> straight out of Woodward's. Uh, well, a seventy-year-old Jude Law is going to play a twenty-five-year-old me. Um, <laughs> well, there's also the um, Alex Gibney documentary, the same documentarian who did uh, Going Clear. Scientology mm-hmm. documentary. I wrote a review on it for yeah. Woodward's site. It's called Steve Jobs, The Man in the Machine, and it's apparently pulls like no punches and it goes straight into Steve Jobs as kind of like who he really was, like an egomaniacal um, jagoff. But you know that sometimes to be the one to of the most the influential yeah, and yeah. innovative you know thinkers in the world, you got to be. You have to not think about other humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, if, if this is any indication, I think that we were all excited for this movie before, and now with this vote of con- confidence from the uh, other co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak, that uh, I'm I'm more excited for this film than I was before. I think. I mean, it, definitely. I mean, it just premiered at uh, Telluride. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the reviews are already out for the movie, and they're really positive. Um, I haven't seen a bad bad review yet. So yeah, I'm pumped. We will talk about what we're most excited for in the fall later on in the show. Um, speaking of Apple, um, I thought this was kind of interesting news. So, have you guys? I mean, I don't know if you guys have even heard. I had not even heard of this. That this 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 uh, Disney streaming thing called Disney Movies Anywhere, which I guess was a, an app to iTunes. I mean that's that's what it was, and I I never heard, but I think Disney Movies Anywhere is a terrible name to begin with. Like that's real catchy. It's not a very good app name, and I don't. I hope maybe they'll change it. But 
this week it, it's announced that they're gonna that that service is now partnering with Amazon and Microsoft, and they're expanding past iTunes um, for the accessibility of the hundreds of their films. I mean, this includes Pixar movies and the Avenger movies, and and, and now Star Wars, which is kind of cool. Um, and I, I know, Colin, you're an Amazon uh, Prime subscriber, right? Yep, so yep. I think this this helps. I think this this has you're gonna, you're gonna have options. I think coming soon that you didn't have before to see Disney owned movies. Okay, yeah, that's what I believe. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not gonna argue that. No, I, no. <laughs> no so I, well, I, I had no idea that this. So I think. I mean, I think it's. Thing. I think it's cool. I think it's. Um, you know, it's 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 good for Disney. I mean, this is a company that historically has been. And I don't know what this to be. I can't. I couldn't find this out, and I don't know what this means to the vault. That kind of thing. I mean, this is a, a company who historically they would they would like not release films on VHS for decades, and then you know would have them available for a year, mm-hmm. and and then they would put them back in the vault. Um, yeah, this is a good move by Disney to like expand the the, the accessibility well, yeah, to all their movies. Yeah, I think it is definitely. I mean, why? Why hide like pieces of your history when you could have it all out there? I just remember those commercials. It's like it's going into the vault, so buy the mm. special edition VHS of Beauty and the Beast now. It's like, why? Why so, would you do that? I don't know. So I am looking. You know, at I want to. The... I want to be able to go back and watch Steamboat Willie. I want to go yeah. back yeah. and be able to watch all those other racist cartoons. <laughs> 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 no, but so I do. I'm looking here. I mean, like Aladdin is available, and um, you know, there is older stuff as, as well. I'm not sure if it's everything. You can get you Mulan two. I've never seen before. <laughs> you got all the I'm great sure sequels. It's you can skip <laughs> all those sequels. Well, when they they should remake it with Ronda Rousey soon, live action version. <laughs> um, I think that my favorite and biggest news of the week. I mean, we had heard this a while ago, but it was never officially announced that um, Sam Smith is officially uh, the 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 guy doing the next James Bond song for the movie Spectre. It is called Writings on the Wall. Not the Writings on the Wall. Writings on the Wall. That, uh, um, definitely, that definitely beat out my uh, pitch for Spectre Hector. Give me that nectar. <laughs> and, um, writings on the Wall will be released in uh, a, a few weeks here. You guys, uh, you have that approval? I like to hear the song when I watch the movie. I, if I hear it beforehand... It kind of ruins the effect of like the opening sequence. Interesting. Yeah, I I have the same feeling, but then I saw I heard Skyfall before. Yeah, that's a a lot. I mean, that was was yeah, it was on the radio. Yeah, Yeah. that was a a radio hit. Yeah, but I feel like I don't I don't know. That's a that's tough because lots of times they the songs are so atmospheric. But and then again, you 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 go the song off of like what the graphics are doing. Yeah, too. So I don't. It's a, I'm excited for for his song, and I'm excited that Disclosure has some producing credits on it. Um, so Disclosure, that's the, the the dude or group that did like the Latch remix yeah, thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't. You think that's gonna? Do you think there's gonna be a little techno-y flair to this? There might be. Lately, they've been doing a lot of like soul. Yeah. Well, they were, they, yeah. This is, I'll but, tell you. But Jack, I, I lo- Jack White, Alicia Keys is pretty rock. I mean, yeah, and, and we'll be Chris well Cornell. before that the Chris Cornell song, which yeah. I love. Yeah. I, I do love that, and that fits the movie very well. Mm-hmm. And I think Skyfall really fit the movie very mm-hmm. well too. My my only concern, not concern, but my worry is like this is more. I'm, this is more uh, to indicate that they're trying to replicate Skyfall to me 
more than anything, which is to get the hot uh, British soul singer to sing this. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, my point is, I hope they're not just doing this to do, to do what we said, which was that Skyfall was a radio hit and it was huge and it was an Oscar winner. Um, so I hope they're not just doing it for that, and hope they're doing this song because it fits the movie. That's when it, that's when Bond songs were, worked the best for me. Um, but wasn't "To Live and Let Die" written for the movie? Or? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean some of them. Well, some of them, and then I, and if you live, if you watch "Live and Let Die," it fits the movie very well, and it was also mm-hmm. a radio hit. I mean, some of them do become radio hits, and and that's great, and that's fine. I like that, and it should be when when Bond is popular. That's when I'm most happy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Uh, you know, I think Goldeneye, I think, had a little success, uh, Radiohead, and of course, uh, A View to a who Kill. Who did that one again? Tina Turner. Tina. Uh, a View to a Kill, Duran Duran was a huge Radiohead. Oh I mean, most people don't, most people like that song, don't even know it's a Bond movie. Yeah. And then, you know, AHA's uh, Living Daylights, that's one of their like big hits, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, the, the one take on, take me, on and me, all that. <laughs> that's pretty much it. So, but I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm pumped. Um, I can't wait to hear it in a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I think I'm as big of a Bond fan as I am. I think I'm not with you. Like, I like to hear the song before the movie for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't know. It gets Dude, me. It gets it, me jacked. Like I get uh, really pumped about it. Unless yeah, it sucks. If the song's bad, yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't like the. I didn't like the Alicia Keys Jack White oh, song that much. And I thought it was very it poorly great. produced. It was a very lazy produced song. It sounded very yeah. compressed, and. Um, it worked well with the imagery of the thing of the uh, opening sequence, though I thought. Yeah, yeah. I have my own. I have a lot of gripes with that whole movie. Every well, inch, yeah. Every of every course, inch, every about every that inch movie. of that movie, but <laughs> every fast, blurry inch of that movie. <laughs> Who would you like to do it if it wasn't Sam Smith? Quick. Yeah, I heard Radiohead was in the was in the discussion for this. Apparently, Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig are huge Radiohead fans, and they were like trying to make that happen. I'd be that. I'd be down for. Gaga. It'd be interesting. Lady Gaga to do it. I was. I was actually thinking that she so could do like some pop jazz hybrid. Yeah. I mean, or if anyone you, can belt it like Shirley Bassey or uh, mm. Tina Turner, I feel like it. You know, Lady Gaga could really do that. But um, I, I this is you know Idris Elba. No I'm idea. kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he does. He does rap. I don't know. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know um, that. But that's that. That music's too street for James Bond. <laughs> no, so. Yeah, hey, right. <laughs> well, whatever. We we um. I can't. I can't wait. Um. And I'm sure we'll just. Dis- well, you know what? We'll discuss it in depth when the song comes out. I'm gonna tear that thing. Unless you guys don't want to hear it, Mitch. If you don't want to, I mean, I'm, I <laughs> for the I'm sake gonna, of, I'm for the sake of podcasting. I'm not gonna have a choice so. for the sake of no, podcasting. No, but if it's a good song, I mean, it can stand on its own as a good song. And then when you watch it in context of the movie it will have take on a whole different meaning right if it's good if it's bad different story for both of those yes um also if it is a bad if i don't like it then i'm gonna like substantially be less excited for the movie isn't that that's kind of crazy i know it is the problem that's why i'm saying don't i know whatever avoid it it comes out like a three weeks before the movie too doesn't it a month and a half almost well i think it's beginning of november so it comes out at the end. It comes out at the end of September. The song, really? Yeah. I don't know. I just want to go into the James Bond, you know, Spectre. I just want to go in, sit down, and then be hit with the opening credit, opening scene, you know, the action scene, and then be hit with the song and without knowing what's coming, just being like, okay, I'm in it. This is setting the mood. Well, just saying. Yeah, no, I know. Just okay. saying. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. I understand the other side. It's going to definitely but... put air in the tires either way. Um, 
Hey, some kind of Detroit-related news in, in a way, um, as we are a Detroit-centric podcast. Um, the, the Toronto Film Festival is this upcoming weekend, mm-hmm. as we record this. Um, there was this document, this Aretha Franklin, Detroit native documentary, uh, Amazing Grace, that was supposed to screen there, uh, which I guess has a bunch of live concert footage that, like, Sidney Pollack uh, filmed, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of really awesome. I love Sidney Pollack, and I think that's yeah. kind of interesting, and I love... Uh, concert movies too and uh, now it's being pulled because uh, Aretha Franklin's uh, lawyers say that there's there's agreement issues here and that they they had agreed a long time ago that this footage would not be shown for commercial use without their consent Uh, and I guess this is a way of that uh, crossing that line so um, no one in Toronto is going to see this film it had other screenings in in Chicago in October that is that no one else is going to see this film so I don't know. I think it's it's weird. I think the Aretha Franklin documentary is something that uh, I would I would love to watch and I would love for people to see. Um, you think we'll ever see the, this movie? We'll see the light of day when she so. dies. Is that what is it? You think <laughs> no, that's? I it? think I think we'll see it. <laughs> I mean, you got Sidney Pollack and everything I've heard um, from the people who have seen it is that like it's beautiful. It does a great job of showing like the recording process as well as the performing process of um, Amazing Grace that album. And uh, it was an album, right? Yeah. And um, my question is just like, what is in it that Aretha Franklin doesn't want to be shown? Who knows? Because she is the biggest diva. Yeah. And that is a substitute for a different word. Yeah. Ever. Uh, No, I hear she is the biggest diva. Diva you next Tuesday. Yeah, well, That's I, I, the word. I, I, <laughs> That's the well, when you're the you're the queen of anything, and if the, she's really the queen of soul, then you, I guess you you kind of deserve. Well, you you you've kind of earned that right to be you know, a little just, stuffy. Yeah, but, yeah, the queen deserves the right not to tip her servers too. Oh yeah, 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 but. <laughs> I, I, I don't millionaire. Well, that's why that's yeah, why I wonder if it's not a matter of there's things in there that she doesn't want to be seen, but she wants to make sure that maybe she and, and her and her people as possible. Her, her lawyers and such probably want her to make the most money as possible. Um, but it's a film festival. She's not making money off of it what, being at a film that's, festival. That's anyway. what con- that's what confused me. I guess it that's will make a, it. it'll make it'll literally make some money. So that because of that, it's like legally against what they agreed upon, but. Because it has to. I mean, people pay yeah, to go there, course. right? I mean, they, they must. And someone, you know. Um, so very, very strange. Um, I do want to see the movie, though. I still love her music. Um, you guys have a favorite, like, music or concert uh, film? We, we talked... Uh, you mentioned the uh, Stop Making Sense. Yeah, Stop Making Sense. I love that. Yeah, that's a great... Um, um, the Last Waltz. That's, 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 that's just, yeah. For sure, that's the best one, I think. It's all about rock and country and... It's beautifully shot. Great. It's like so. Yeah. I haven't seen much like old school ones. I mean, I always see like I saw like the Adele at Royal Hall, Royal Albert Hall, Jay Z and Beyonce when they did on HBO. Like, yeah, I actually watched that too. That was that was pretty interesting to be honest. With you. I didn't think I was going to be interested in that, but that was a. The, the Jay-Z, Beyonce, HBO, that, that was, was pretty good, interesting. That was well done. Well, I think it used to be a bigger deal back in the day to, first of all, see film footage. Like, they would literally use 16, 35-millimeter film to, to film concerts and shit. And mm-hmm. I think there was more of an excitement for that. I mean, now you now anyone can see any HD footage of films all or of concerts all the time. So, um, 
I don't know. Did you ever see um, Shut Up and Play the Hits, the LCD sound system concert Mm-mm. film? I think that's on Netflix. That's a good one. I recommend that. No. Um, have you guys seen Standing in the Shadows of Motown? That's no. a must. That's a must see. Yeah. That was a really interesting doc year from years ago about um, the Funk Brothers, which were all the musicians that played on all the Motown hits that were like unsung and no one had ever heard of them. Um, and it's it's a very interesting documentary and also as a concert where all they got all these musicians that were still alive to come back together and and play. So it's very it's really cool. Standing in the shadows of Motown, everyone should check that out. Cool. Nice. Cool. Well, that, that about does it for movie news. Um, as I said earlier in the show, usually we get together having seen the same movie to talk about it. But this week we decided it'd be it'd be fun to change things up and we would do kind of a, a summer movie in review show. And that's what we're going to do. Labor Day has passed. Labor Day has passed. Fall has begun. Schools have started. And the blockbuster season is effectively over. Uh, that doesn't mean that there won't be some hits this fall. We'll talk about that. But... Um, Summer's gone, guys. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the movies we've seen. Here's our rules. Here's what we're doing. We we we're starting with uh, we're effectively starting with Age of Ultron, which came out at the first week of May. That's kind of where I see the summer movie season starting. I know that Furious Seven came out in April, so we're gonna. I think because of that was such a big hit, we'll we'll include it. I know none of us saw it, Furious Seven. It, it was, was like one of the right biggest. Right when we were starting. Right. So, yeah. Um. But. What we're going to do here is talk about what our favorites were, what our least favorites were. Um, we're going to talk about what was most successful, what was surprisingly least successful uh, this summer, and what we think that kind of means for the landscape of, of, of Hollywood movies. Um, I think really just to start things off, let's let's talk about, you know, starting with that May, that, that, that loose May uh, beginning of summer and the first week of May. What were your guys' favorite movies? Like, what? Let's start with one, and I'm sure we'll expand out because, of course, it's hard to pick your favorite movie, be it of all time or of all summer. But you know, Mitch, what was your favorite film you saw this summer? I think I got I to go with Inside Out. That has stuck with me the most out okay. of any film that we saw. Um, I mean, we had an entire episode about it, and I think it's Pixar's best film. I think it's probably one of the best films to come out in the past like five years wow yeah i think i mean no, no, I'm, yeah I, I, I would you know i think we all had great things to say about that yeah. film it's very uh, poignant and deals with a subject that you know it's usually glanced over in most films as just like oh they're sad you know this person's depressed why are you so sad but now it's like well let's get deep into why and why people feel these emotions and what it means like in what's going on in your head right even if it is like a fantastical version of it yeah and a fun but movie. even though it, it makes sense to me <laughs> you know right. it's very well made so that was mine Colin, what was your favorite film this summer it's got to be mad max for me uh that was just my second yeah yeah in inside out's my number two but um mad max is totally boundary pushing game-changing action movie that um had so much had some of the best action i've ever seen but also some of the best just story i've Mm -hmm. ever seen um and i recently i bought it it came out on blu-ray not uh, maybe a week ago and i bought it and i watched it at home and i mean nothing beats the big screen seeing it on that but it does translate really well um yeah well so how was i mean i'm interested because i didn't I um, 
I mean, I haven't seen it since we first saw it. Yeah, so that, was did it have the same kind of effect on you this time? Yeah, yeah. Especially watching it with people who haven't seen it. That's nice. really fun, too, because they're constantly like, what? What is what is going on? Like, You're like watching them more than you're watching them. <laughs> well, what do they think of it? The, when, I, when I watched it, they were confused and jaw-dropping and like but totally on for the ride like i i don't know i don't know and that's exactly how i was the first time i saw it too i was mm-hmm. I'm like what the fuck is going on here but like you're all in it and um a movie like that i mean it just has to be at my yeah. my number one it starts right away yeah starts right away and gets straight into it and just keeps going that's yeah. the one of my favorite parts about it and never stops um i think so i think this this uh, this summer has been a really good summer for Hollywood films, I think, just in general. I think, well, I know, I don't think, I know that, you know, sitting here trying to write this, trying to pick my favorite film that I saw this summer was a lot more difficult than I thought. And it always started, I sent this prompt, this prompt out to you guys a couple of days ago to, to you know, think about it, and I've been thinking about it, and I start with one movie and I go, you know what, I think maybe I like this movie better, or this movie stuck with me more, or I had more fun experience watching this movie. It's really, really difficult for me. I think if I have to pick my favorite movie this summer, I think it's actually Love and Mercy. I think that was the movie I think that has stuck with me the most. Um, We saw that a while. That was June, I think, or maybe July, maybe early July. But that was a while ago. I know I just made a CD to put in my my car, and I put God Only Knows on it because it's still that story is still in my mind. I think... I think, you know, it's similar to Inside Out and the way that Inside Out, which is, look, on my sheet here, it says favorite movie this summer, Love and Mercy slash Inside Out. But I think similarly to Inside Out, um, Love and Mercy got into music in a way in a narrative film that you usually don't see. I mean, we just talked about these concert films. That's where you really see artistry talked about. Mm-hmm. Most biopics kind of skip that part. Even Even Straight Outta Compton didn't get into what it takes to sit down and write a rap song. Whereas Love and Mercy really got into what goes through someone's mind when they're trying to come up with the greatest album of all time or mm-hmm. one of them, you know? So I, I really appreciate Love and, Mer- Love and Mercy. But honestly, I mean, Inside Out is like, it's 1A. I mean, it was it's right there with yeah, me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Love and Mercy, I loved all that about, all that about like recording and producing music. It was great. So I think, and, and something I didn't say in the podcast, I did post, I did post this on Facebook after we did our podcast on love and mercy. But one thing I didn't say that I still think it just resonates. I'm getting chills thinking about it. It resonated with me so much was that aside from a superhero movie in Michigan, when you go see a film, people don't stay through the credits. That never happens. Mm-hmm. They just don't do that. Um, you know, superhero movies, they do it so they can see what happens at the end of the credits, <laughs> usually Marvel films. It's um, usually a letdown. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, honestly, it is usually a letdown, but you know, I saw this in the middle of a, of a weekday with, you know, 20 people in a theater and everyone sat through the credits to listen to more Brian Wilson music. And that I, it was just that's how powerful I think the movie was for everyone in that theater. So mm-hmm. that's it. Um, I didn't really give this prompt to you guys. But what I when I tried to figure out what my favorite movie of the summer was, I, I, I put it into three parts, which was what was my favorite? What was the most impressive film and which was the one I had the most fun watching? So my favorite is Love and Mercy. Um, let's talk about like most impressive. 
which to me is Mad Max. I know Colin's like, oh, damn, it's the same answer. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, I think just having worked on, like, the logistical side of film and then watching that movie is like, how the hell do they do any of yeah, that? that and how do they get through that? And how do they make a cohesive film, you know, doing what they did? So for me, the most impressive film I've seen this summer was was definitely Mad Max. Um, Colin, I'm assuming you're the Total, Totally same. agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Production value on that movie is, like, just so well done. Costumes, the cars, the look of it is... And the fact that, I mean, it's something that we've... At least me personally haven't seen ever on screen. And I'm also impressed that we talk about how, like, no one knows what Roadhouse is. <laughs> and we're, like, mocking it. But not a lot of people our age gave a crap about Mad Max. You know, yeah. no one even... You know, no one cared about that. But now it's, like... It's the coolest thing on the block now. Everyone loves Mad Max. So I'm impressed with how they revitalized the... That, that's the example of a great reboot, in mm-hmm. my mind. I'm, um, I'm already seeing, like, you know, hints of it in commercials and stuff. Oh, yeah, like yeah. The, the style, like people yeah. are trying to... Yeah. Or like, I don't remember what... It may have been a Geico commercial or something, where the guy's, like, trying... He falls in the... I know exactly. He I know falls in the, the quicksand, and he's like, go get help. And he's talking to a cat. It's like, cats don't get help. That's what they do. And there's, it's clearly a post-apocalyptic, like Mad Max type world. Uh, so that's definitely a sign of, you know, more to come. <laughs> is that, so is it, Mitch, is that the most impressive? I, I would have to put that as the most impressive and the most entertaining, to be honest. Uh, so that's your most fun movie too. The most fun. I, it didn't, it didn't like hit hit me in like the thinker <laughs> as much as Inside Out <laughs> because I mean oh it's hard to but, but it hits you, hit, hit you in the crotch <laughs> yeah yeah hit me right in the balls um <laughs> no right in the uh, the uh, emotion balls um yeah yeah Mad Max definitely the most entertaining and most impressive Callan is this a trifecta for you or is it the most fun you had at the movie theater this year it's this is this is hard. Because I think it is fun and it's great watching it. But at the same time, like, underlying, that's a very dark and disturbing movie. Right. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. I mean, I'm never not going to not watch it if it's on or yeah. if, like, I, someone wants to watch it. I'm obviously going to watch it. But I had more fun in watching Inside Out, I would say. If okay, that makes sense, because well, it was, I can get that. it was goofy. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I totally get that because I don't think I don't. I still don't think Mad Max was the most fun I've had watching a movie this year because of what you're saying. It was dark. It was stressful. <laughs> I was on edge more than I was yeah. like having fun. And I also don't think that Inside Out was the most fun movie I I, I watched this year just because I was a mess. <laughs> Like yeah. I was on the verge of crying like every fifteen <laughs> minutes, like in fifteen minute increments. I was like, "Oh, it's coming again. I might cry." Um, so I think that, and I know you like this was the most. I think probably this is for sure the most divisive film of the summer in this group. But I, I had, I still had the most fun seeing Jurassic Park late on a Saturday night or Jurassic World late on a oh, Saturday yeah, night. Oh yeah, see, and, Jurassic well, whatever. Park. I mean, it was just it was it was Jurassic Park. It was. The, the highest grossing film of the year, the third highest grossing film of all time. And I think it's a testament to just that weekend where people, I think people like me just had a great time doing it, watching it. And I think, um, you know, the rewatchability is not there. It's not my favorite movie. It's one of the least impressive scripts this summer. But 
you know, we all, everyone in that theater in, in Troy had a ball, and I, I did too. So it's that just, was my most fun. That's movie just so summer. weird because I was just so bored by that movie. And I know, like, how can you be bored by these dinosaurs and just action and craziness? I don't know how to explain it. It just wasn't fun. I, I really fi- honestly blame it on, like, us still having a Mad Max high. Like, <laughs> that's well, true. part of that <laughs> might be it. No, I mean, it definitely I'm didn't. I'm like, why do I want to watch these computer. Dinosaur. dinosaurs when i could watch, watch like car real, real cars doing, do flips doing shit <laughs> right and why do you want to watch like an annoying main female character run around in heels yeah. and, and when you can you know go watch for howard Rosa, dallas kick ass bryce <laughs> howard dallas bryce right um so yeah that was my uh that was my most fun i think um now to the negative what was your what was your least favorite movie of the summer of the movie of the summer I have well, I did a top five and a bottom. Yeah, three. let's yeah, let's you know. There's a I think there's a few. For I'm gonna my bottom third one is Man from Uncle. Okay. Uh, my bottom second one is Avengers: Age of Ultron, and my Forget, bottom a very bottom, forgettable film. My bottom bottom one is Jurassic World. Okay. So you didn't see Uncle Mitch, right? I did not. Okay. So I can't really see yeah. But you guys didn't see the end of the tour, so No. That's, that's not in my that's worst. It's not in my worst or best. I can't really compare them. Um worst movies. Uh three I will go with You're right. I'll go with uh Avengers Age of Ultron cuz I don't remember anything about that movie whatsoever. <laughs> that's not a good sign when you're talking about like the flagship you know avengers marvel universe movie i remember all the funny like bits where they're not fighting but mm. everything else is total blur second um jurassic world like we just said and the worst or my least favorite is tomorrowland <laughs> yeah uh, I found Tomorrowland. There was so much hype going into tar- Tomorrowland. Brad Bird, George Clooney, uh, just fun. an original movie. Um, original right, movie. Well, right. original based on a well, no, but uh, an original, park. original yeah. movie. Yeah, no, there's no question. Fun. You know yeah. the trailer. You know there's a lot of Tomorrowland in this trailer. You know it looks like there's going to be a lot of Tomorrowland in this movie. There's not a lot of Tomorrowland in this movie. You know it's corny. It's boring. It's just a huge letdown. And if I wanted to watch a movie where all the people in it were asking what was going on and you know didn't know what was going on in their own script i would rather watch a movie of me watching tomorrowland <laughs> wondering what is going on because <laughs> there's nothing really in that movie that redeems itself and makes it like okay that was okay it was just bad i wouldn't recommend any i wouldn't recommend that film to anyone um so there's some there's a, a little bit of consensus I think going around here. Boom. I mean I I uh, Tomorrowland <laughs> was my least favorite uh, film of the year. It was also probably my most dis- I mean I I was excited for that movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean again Brad, Brad Bird, Bird. <laughs> Brad. George Clooney, was, you know, and I think there was a lot riding on that film as moviegoers because it was an original mm-hmm. film, and I think that we all wanted it to be good. We really did, and it mm-hmm. and it didn't. It just wasn't. Um, which is, I still, there's still, that movie had its, like it should have been, I, in a similar way to Fantastic Four, like it's close to being good. I really believe that, that Tomorrowland was. Like I think that the beginning's so much fun, it's beautiful and it's inventive and I love it. 
Hugh Laurie's great as an actor. His character wasn't, you know, and the dialogue wasn't. What, what was he? And what was he? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you have all the pieces. You got what George Clooney plan? and Hugh Laurie and like, you know, I don't know. So what, that was disappointing. What was also, his plan? it might surprise you guys, but I did put down Age of Ultron as one of my least favorite movies of the summer I, in no, the I'm sense. Not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I I had fun watching it, but when you, you guys are right, I mean, when we even when I even made this list, if it wasn't the first summer movie, I would have forgot about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't the best thing to come from Marvel this this summer. Um, it, it wasn't the best you know superhero movie this summer, and it uh, I don't know, it just kind of disappointed all around and i don't know if you guys heard this recently but i guess there's like murmurs at marvel and disney that they consider that a failure that they considered it's it's box office draw which was a which was incredible for most yeah, but not i guess not for, stan- not for the stand not for the not for the standards over there at marvel that's so. that's cheap of them i wish <laughs> they would just go by you know uh artistic yeah. and story quality we didn't quite make enough million dollars on that movie well, that's yeah. just what's, that's what's going on. there's a lot of shake there's a lot of shake up going at marvel going on at marvel over how about there. it's a failure because it wasn't good yeah <laughs> and a lot of that is uh about money it's it appears so it's so all guys, about money kale so guys well speaking of money i mean <laughs> colin you have the list there of the the top 10 movies of the year and in, in a grander scheme right it's all yeah. the, all the, all of 2015 so far yeah um, and what sticks out at you as like the top films of the year well, in terms of gross? Of course, we have Jurassic World. Uh, these, are world these are worldwide, right? Yes. No? Yes. yes. Worldwide. Uh, Jurassic World, Avengers, um, Furious 7, I mean, and Inside Out. All big box office smashes. But then we get into other ones that are <laughs> really surprising to me. At one, two, three. At number six, Cinderella. Really? Yeah. I now, forgot I forgot that existed. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> Under Cinderella at seven, Pitch Perfect Two. That makes sense. Uh Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is under that. I'm surprised that's actually under that. But then again, it's a comedy, so And here's one that I'm not even sure I knew was a movie. Um number nine, home. <laughs> Wait a second. Where are you getting this? Is that Box true? Office Mojo. For worldwide or for domestic? Year, I don't. I don't know if it. I didn't see if it was worldwide or domestic, but I clicked under yearly and went to 2015. Okay, yeah. So domestic home. Okay, what is that? I think it's in the animated. Oh movie. yeah, no, I do remember that. Oh, the one it's with a DreamWorks thing. Yeah. Okay, one with Rihanna. That's the one. And the one with the Jim Parsons, where all the jokes in the trailer were just about like. I'm going to wave my tentacles like I just don't care. <laughs> I'm a purple thing. So what's interesting? Kill yourself. <laughs> Number nine. <laughs> so what's interesting is domestically this year, Mad Max is 14th. You know, that's one of our, that's we all are, because that's one of our favorite I'm, films. I'm really amazed that more people didn't go see that. Well, it's, didn't that come out the same? I think that came out either the same week or close to Pitch Perfect 2. Same weekend. Yep. Yeah. And that was, and remember, I remember us talking about the irony about how, you know, Pitch Perfect 2, which is kind of marketed as, like, a girl power film, but it's really not, you know, in terms yeah. of, like, what is it doing for the genre of female film and, like, what it's, is Mad it's Max? It's a comedy that yeah, stars Yeah, it would your girl. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's, like, ironic in a lot of ways. Um, Mad Max has a real badass... Well, what do you guys? Female what do you, heroine. What do you guys gather? What do you guys gather from that in terms of like the landscape of films and what what we might be able to expect next year in terms of the summer blockbuster and how it did this year? 
Well, definitely we're going to see more diverse uh, films, I think. Or diverse in the sense that, like, there will be more movies where the leads of, you know, mainly male-dominated genres uh, will be female, like Mad Max and... Or Roadhouse. (laughs) Ronda Rousey. Yeah, um, we'll see that, which I'm excited for. Uh, And I think just the amount of... I don't want to say original because most of the films that came out aren't really, you know, original films, but uh, I guess the term or like innovative films or just different films. Mad Max, I consider put it in that category. That was different because, you know, that could have been done way differently than it was yeah. inside out, you know, um, love and mercy did well. Well, did well. It was uh, critically acclaimed. Specialty box office. It did well. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think with, and and on the other hand, our bad movies like Fantastic Four and Tomorrowland, they didn't do well in the box office and because they weren't good. And that gives me hope for the average movie going audience to know. Right. That- so like the, the fact that Marvel as a comic book property <laughs> was on the marquee of Fantastic Four didn't assure didn't them anything. that people were going to go see it. Yeah, it didn't do anything. Which gives me, yeah, like I said, I have a little bit of like, oh, good work, guys. Like, and I think, you know, a lot of people obviously in the movie industry hate that about films or about the film landscape because it's like, oh, sites like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, they ruin, you know, box office numbers. Nobody's going to go see things. It's like, well, maybe you should make better choices on who you want to direct and write your films and you'll make money. Uh, so I, I think that this summer was actually a really big positive, despite, you know, some of the big films that I ended up hating. So, yeah, definitely. And I absolutely agree with you on the seeing more female driven movies and only not only females in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. This is dipping down into the top 20 domestic grossing of the year. Trainwreck, Spy, Insurgent. Mad Max, Fifty Shades of Grey, and then other movies like Cinderella, Pitch Perfect. Those are all high female-driven movies, or just aim- or aimed at female yeah, 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 that right. performed extremely well. Mm-hmm. And um, most of those movies are good too. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, I definitely think um, we're gonna see more of that. I know people have been saying. I mean, people in the industry have been saying that for years. Like make more movies for women about women and it will do good and then mm-hmm. like finally like hollywood is like oh maybe they're oh, right maybe they were right yeah. <laughs> maybe mm. they were right huh. crazy well if, look if you here's the thing though here's what i take away is that nothing's changed and that nothing will change in the sense that if you look at the top 10 domestic films that that did well at the box office which is the list that you're you're coming from the only original film there meaning not a sequel, not a reboot, not a spinoff, is uh, Home. There's this movie that we've never even, like, we none of us saw, never heard of. The rest, and the other interesting thing to me is, um, you know, Cinderella is, is and I think Home, and, it, and maybe Furious 7, if we're considering that not a summer movie, the rest of them are summer films. So, like, summer still kills it. Um, 
spinoffs, sequels, remakes, reboots still kill it. And the other thing, too, that I take from this is that animation still kills it. Yes. Inside mm-hmm. Out, Minions at Home are, you know, animated films. Um, and, you know, Min- Minions really quietly was huge. I mean, you didn't have a lot of people talking about that critically like they did Inside Out, but it's neck and neck with Inside Out in terms of uh, box office. So I, I don't, you know, you're going to see more of these things. And, and that hasn't changed for a decade and a half. I mean, then really, if you if you look back on Hollywood, it hasn't changed since Star Wars. I mean, they've they've always tried to do sequels and reboots and stuff like that. The other thing that the other thing that I think is noteworthy is that it, it more than ever, and this is this is what's changing every year. More than ever, the worldwide gross means just as much as the domestic mm-hmm. because. Terminator Genesis, which none of us saw, none of us cared to see, right? Yeah. I don't know a lot of people. I don't know anyone who saw this movie, to be honest with you. And, and we're, we we reviewed Terminator 2. We're, we're you know, f- uh, fans of the franchise, so to speak. We didn't see this movie. It was number 22 on the box office. It only, gave, it only got $89 million domestic, which is not a lot. It's number 10 worldwide this year with $435 million worldwide, which means you're going to get another Terminator movie. It's going to happen yeah. because it's killing it in overseas. And I think that's interesting, and I think that tells us a lot about. I mean, it's like the biggest cliche in media, but that we are a smaller world than we were five years ago, and the the world market means way more to Hollywood than it ever did before. So, totally agree. So I mean, we, you know, expect that next Terminator keep an eye on China. Happen. China, they're gonna start making bigger films and releasing them in the U.S. <laughs> soon. So, yeah. when I was making my list of like what worked and what didn't work at the box office this summer i noticed that those lists were eerily similar like what didn't perform well at the box office oh, right. yeah. reboots remakes and things that we've seen before like pixels insidious chapter three entourage ted 2 uh ted 2 san andreas uh just movies that in concepts that we as an audience are very familiar with but then also what performed well concepts were concepts familiar, were familiar <laughs> with so yeah. what what is what what do you guys well, think I would, of that well, like is, what I, yeah well what i make of that is that's the only thing that they're making yeah yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm no, serious. Serious. yeah you can't all have hits i guess yeah, yeah. They, that's the only thing they're making and remember like takes an army to make a good film and the head of that army, the director, the screen, the heads of that army, director, screenwriter, producers, and actors, really. If you get good people at, up at the top, you're going to make a good film, regardless of whether it's a reboot or an original story. I mean, what was like? What was some of the worst ones? Uh, Pixels. Pixels. Okay. Well, Adam Sandler. When yep. was the last time he had like something that people wanted to see? Mordecai. Um, I know that was came out earlier this year, but that was an, yeah one of the worst of the year. If if anything, it's the media influx and landscape just pressures people and like the Rotten Tomatoes and all that pressures filmmakers to make good films and make good decisions. And that if that's what that does, then you know, big thumbs up. So I'm okay with it. But then you have but then you have movies like Fantastic Four, which is like. You'd think that, like the again, this is and the end Tomorrowland. You have the the pieces are there. Every like it should make itself in a way. 
So, I mean, I, Tomorrowland's not the example that we're a, looking for because we're talking about... There's always a rotten spot in that group of people. So, I think, I mean, is that, is that... I think that's what it is then, is that, you know, that's all they're making is sequels, reboots, remakes. So, and just like any other time in film, like you're saying, some of them are good, some of them are bad. So, mm-hmm. if that's all that people are making, you're going to get shit ones, you're going to get good ones. Yeah. I mean... You can't jump on the like bandwagon of like, oh, all sequels are terrible because it's like, no, no, not all, and not a. Not well, that's all, all we're getting. Yeah, that's all we're getting, and there are good ones. So, yeah. I mean, it's Colin, what do you, you what do you take with. from that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what you said about, I mean, that's they're all all making. You can't all make great movies. Um, I definitely agree with that, but I also think like more not necessarily the sequels i think concepts audience like concepts and tropes and things i think people are finally starting to pay attention to like pixels while it's a highly original idea people are really tired of the adam sandler type movie with that kind of humor yeah um the only people who are not tired of it are 12 yeah to 15 year olds who don't ever watch so, Adam Sandler movies. Well, Colin, you, Colin, you think that this says that people are 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 fed up with most of it, but will give some of it a chance. Is that I mean, you know, like they'll give like, like the people are fed up with. Everyone knows in the world that there's too many remakes, there's too many superhero movies. Yet, you know, we have a flop this year. We have a, we have successful superhero movies, right? We have a really cool kind of newer concept with, you know, Mad Max. Well, it's a it's a remake and a reboot. It's still like a cool new concept. Mm-hmm. And then you have cool new concepts like pixels that no one goes and sees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't, it's like hard to find a pattern, I guess. I, 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 would, I would go with, it's like, like I said, because of rotten tomatoes and stuff. Oh, that look, uh, I don't want to see that. It's another superhero movie. And then like word of mouth or reviews come in. That's like, Oh, it's actually really good. It's got like a 85 to 90 on rotten tomatoes. It's like, Okay, I guess I'll see it. Cause you you can pick and choose now. It's like yeah, people so are, many people options. Are easily that you, influenced. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have so many options. It's not like back in the days where it was like Jaws is playing all summer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the movie to see this summer. Right. Like, that's great, you know. But now it's a new two hundred million dollar movie every weekend, and you know, there's only so much time you have to want to, you know invest <laughs> yeah so. yeah other movies i want to mention that stood out for me this summer um kind of rounding up my my top five um ex machina why i think it was a little bit before summer happened and surely not a blockbuster like type movie in general yeah though. like it's, it's not... holding strong though i yeah. know that yeah. a lot of people still talking about that movie uh i really enjoyed that one uh, Slow West I want to give a mention yeah. to yep. that made it into my top five mm-hmm. and um, so did the documentary Amy yeah I, Amy, I got Amy was up there definitely mm-hmm. and Love and Mercy like you said I saw um, the end of the tour uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah a couple of weeks ago and um, you guys didn't see it but that is also a very interesting important film I think it's a movie I need to see again so if time comes around and we have nothing to see maybe we should watch that and discuss it because i'd be very interested to see what you guys think remember me earl and the dying girl that happened we did see some movies that i like kind of forgot about yeah i saw yeah i, mean, I, I didn't I saw see dope. dope i didn't see dope I saw, either, which was so. pretty good yeah. it was funny 
So I heard I, that they're actually re-releasing dope. Oh, really? Like, yeah, in okay. theaters. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that overall, I think it was a good summer for movies. And I know this has been a, this has been the summer probably since I was 15 where I've seen the most. Like, probably because of this podcast, for I've sure. made it out to the theater more often. And I'm happy about that. I think I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I think, uh, real, real quick, because I think this is important, and it was kind of news, but I wanted to save it for the end of this now that we've had this discussion. Steven Spielberg came out last week and said that he thinks that it sounded like he was saying soon the, the superhero genre is going to go the way of the cowboy film, meaning it's going to be people are going to get sick of it soon and it won't exist anymore, similarly to the cowboy films, which really is weird because, you know, they were big in the 40s and they were big in the 60s again and like, you know, cowboy films don't exist anymore. I like to say I've always they said exist. they're just very few well, in between. Well, I've I've always said that in my mind, in in the twenty first century, superheroes are the new musicals and zombie films are the new cowboy movies. That's what I believe. But um, you don't see very many zombie movies anymore. Yeah, I I suppose not. But the genre is still really popular in in video games and TV for sure. I mean, Walking Dead is the biggest show on TV. It, you know, but. Anyways, um, what do you guys do? You guys agree with with uh, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time that that we are on the, the the edge of the superhero movie going the way of the cowboy movie? No, I don't agree because have you seen Marvel's lineup for the next ten fifteen years? There'll always be, you know, there will always be Marvel movies coming out, and there's will always be some other entity, DC and Warner Brothers, trying to compete with it, which, hey. Just because they're going to make them, though, doesn't mean people are going to want to see them. Um, Which is, I guess, the question. I mean, do you think? Yeah. Uh, I kind of hope so, to be honest. Uh, there's only so many superheroes movies and superheroes I can get interested in that without, you know, before my brain melts <laughs> and it's all the same. You know, I'll forget about, like, previous superhero movies if I just keep watching these things. So. Yeah. Um, I hope he's right, and I mean, something I've been thinking of a lot lately is I love superhero movies. I, re I really do, but it's just, there's too many of them, so now when they're there, it's not as special to me when there's a superhero mm -hmm. movie. So I hope he's right as, maybe they don't make as many of them, but maybe I'll get one good superhero movie a year just one yeah. one super maybe marvel doesn't need to release three superhero movies in the summer maybe can they just release one mm -hmm. and they'll be okay i mean i don't think judging by like the top 10 films of the year ant-man and uh avengers were both in the top 10 i don't think they're gonna stop performing yeah, well no, at not. the box office but to me it ruins my superhero experience when i get seven superhero movies a year now it, it, is this building up to something this like marvel universe i mean you have the slate of like 10 plus years of films that are supposed to come out like and they're all connected so like where are they going with it if they're building to something big like some final film with like every marvel character in it then cool you know i will i will see that movie just because it's like it's over it's over <laughs> And then we'll get the reimagining of Iron Man. <laughs> we, we, I mean, no, we will. And I think that we'll I get think a new it's, Iron Man. I, I don't know how many movie superhero movies Steven Spielberg sees a year. I mean, I can't imagine he cares. Um, yeah, I think so. And I, I I think that that's a short sighted guess. 
I don't think that the superhero movie is going anywhere. Yeah. I, I think people are pumping money into it and they're going to keep happening. I think that the reason that they're happening right now is because for almost 60 years, comic books were really, really popular. And we're the 21st century ushered in a new age of filmmaking where it was possible to take those ideas and bring them to life in a ma in a manner that can make them be taken seriously. And I think like comic books, comic book movies um, are going to come out every year. I mean, they, they're serials. They're about mass production. Like, that's what mm -hmm. comic books are. It's like you get a new one every week. That's what it is. Yeah. And they reboot the universes in Marvel and DC every five years. You know, like it happens all the time in the comic books. So I think you're just seeing that being translated onto the screen. Um, I think in a way, superheroes are finally finding the, genre, or the, the medium that works best for them. Uh, and that's what the, that's why this is happening. And I don't see it stopping soon, um, but we'll see. You know, I think if you you look at cowboy movies and why that genre kind of went away is for a million social reasons. I think more mm -hmm. than anything, um, and that's why I say zombie movies are the new because that's like the new frontier, right? Which is apocalyptic, I, not necessarily zombie movies. I mean, like like Mad Max movie. to me is a yeah. is a cowboy movie. That's a western. It's a, it's a western in a lot yeah, of ways. So I, I I guess you know I, I think Steve I think you're wrong, <laughs> yeah. and I and again I look I don't need five of these Marvel movies every year, but it's just not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I think no. people want to see these, and um, you know it's it's still uh, the box office has to as always been geared towards uh, the ages of 5 to 18 more than the ages of 18 to 80 so as long mm -hmm. as kids are going to keep seeing these movies they'll keep putting them out exactly all right let's uh let's wrap it up i i think before we get it to our video on demand recommendations let's kind of uh let's let's look ahead as uh we we enter the, towards our 30th show in the coming months um what films are you guys what, what what films are you really looking forward to in in the rest of 2015 Colin? There's a lot. Um, there is a lot. Yeah, I think this year is going to get better, I think, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But keep, what, um, what do you think? The There's, like, the big block, blockbusters that are coming out. And then there's the more Oscar-bait movies that are coming out. All, both tiers look like they have some good, good, stuff. good stuff in there. As far as big blockbusters go, I mean, of course, Star Wars. But you got a new Hunger Games, Hunger Games coming out. The final Hunger Games coming out in November. Spectre, The Martian, um, oh yeah, Pan might even be good for a child's oh. movie. It was supposed to come out early this year, and they pushed it back to many, a friendly holiday season movie, which might mean goddamn something. Peter Pan. That, that's that's doing? one that I just don't understand. I don't get why we get a Pan movie every five years either. But when was the last one? Well, in they like have they 2002? do. Well, they do like animated ones all the time. <laughs> just yeah. it's like Oz. They do different Oz movies and shit all the yeah. time. I mean, you don't Finding see Neverland. them, but, but that yeah. was good. That was Still, good. Still, like, <laughs> the same stuff. So, what are you most excited for, though? What's like? What's what's? What are you really itching for? Oh, I mean, Tarantino's got a movie coming out. That's no. that's it. Does he? Yeah, <laughs> right. Does this been news? <laughs> um, that is really what i'm looking forward to um but also um this beast of no nation oh which yeah sure. it's kind of like that. a game changer right as far as going on to netflix and it just premiered at telluride film festival 
and the two critics that I follow said it was the best thing at the festival. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out being released in theaters and Netflix at the same time hmm. um, and that. how that will affect yeah. Oscars. I saw that well. trailer. It's, uh, it's going to be a rough one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for that. <laughs> Mitch, what are, you, uh, what are you most excited for as the year comes to an end in the next four months? Besides Star Wars, which I can say that probably everybody is super excited for, um, and besides Hateful Eight, I'm really excited for um, Suffragette. <laughs> Actually, the uh, Meryl Streep, Carrie Mulligan film about the uh, suffragette movement in England in the early 1900s, late 1800s, just uh, kind of kind of relevant in a way, in a way. Like we're talking about more, we're talking about earlier, how, you know, there's this whole new market for like female centric yeah. films. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So this is, you know, put taking the fight straight to the screen it's like hey look at how horrible it was back in the day like women were not allowed to vote at all and they were they were willing to do things that you know mostly you know men would do you know blow up stuff shoot people you know just i find it really fascinating i find that whole era of uh you know progressive movement you know um like tr area era just really fascinating everything was changing so fast um and in the heart of the sea is my other one which oh, really? i've been waiting for for since last year it was supposed to release in march um and now it's going to release sometime this winter soon before the year is over and it's about the true story that inspired the myth <laughs> of moby dick uh, which is insane to think about, but if you know the true story, it is insane. So that should be good. That stars Chris Hemsworth and um, Cillian Murphy and a few other people. So. I, I don't know what I think about that movie. Like, it, it concerns my excitement. I mean, of course, Ron Howard and, and Chris Hemsworth, it, has a, it's, it could be a great movie. And yeah. I just, that seems like another, like, it's a it's a story it's about human survival. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm ex- I'm excited, but I'm apprehensive. I mean, any movie that gets released from, or gets pushed to an Oscar friendly date, I'm always interested to see because someone saw it and was like, "That's good." Right. Right. <laughs> Might that's as well true. try. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> that's true. Because sometimes if it's not Oscar friendly, they'll push it to January. It's January. <laughs> yeah. Like what's a few extra weeks the, for this the movie? shit month of movies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd say that the film that I'm most excited for this year is Everest. No, I'm kidding. My the the <laughs> film that I'm most excited for is coming up soon is Star Wars, and I I, I want to end it with that in a second. But I just want to say that there's it's been a great year for movies, and I'm still there's just so much more to look forward to. Like I can't wait for the rest of this year to play out. Uh, Black Mass comes out soon. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. Also, like I've got high hopes for huge- that. Huge ovations out of Telluride for that movie too. I think Sicario comes out mm-hmm. uh, soon. We we were talking about that a while ago at the Cannes Film Festival, right? Was that 
Um, so you know, I'm, I'm pumped for these 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 movies. I actually do think Everest. I'm, I'm hearing you know maybe good review. If anything, that's gonna be a, an interesting movie to watch. I can't wait for that. Uh, I just saw the trailer for Krampus today. I cannot accept. I'm so pumped for that. I've always loved the story of Krampus, who's like the anti Santa Claus. So mm-hmm. they're doing this movie about it. It looks absurd. I can't wait. Is it a German film or? No, it's like I mean, no, it's it's okay. Yeah, it's definitely. An I thought American it said film. Universal Germany yeah. releases trailer. I was like, what? And it's got a very like classic kind of this kind of comedy. It's not. I mean, it's like a horror comedy thing. It looks kind of silly to yeah. me. Um, and then look, I Spectre. I'm like really pumped for, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do the week of uh, December 18th. It's gonna be the. I, I just, I, I, we talked about it a little bit before the show, and I, there, I don't think that in our lifetimes we will see a movie premiere with as much pop and circumstances as, as the next Star Wars movie coming out this December. I think it's in a way bigger than it was in 1999 when the Phantom Menace came out. Um, you know, we sit here and talk about the summer blockbuster, even though this movie's coming out in December. But we're sitting here and talking about the summer blockbuster, and a lot of people do attribute that to Jaws. But really, you know, the movie landscape completely changed when Star Wars came out, and, you know, they're trying to do it again. Good or bad, it's going to be like a wild experience in December 18th, so I cannot wait. Um, and I think that's it's going to be difficult to find tickets. To be honest, people have been texting me about this because they're like, "What are you gonna? What are we doing? You know, yeah. what, what, everyone wants to go and see it together, and and I don't know. It's gonna be a very... when I when I go see it, I'm not sitting in the front. You know, I I want to sit in the middle, and I don't know how that. Well, I'll tell you what I you know I don't know. I'm gonna see it four times, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I I just can't wait when that when that Star Wars comes on the screen and everyone cheers. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, so I can. I want to watch it alone. I know that's see, that's a movie, man. Where like <laughs> I, I if I if someone was like if someone was like December seventeenth, I'll show you in a private screening room. I would not take that opportunity. <laughs> I definitely I, no I, I, There's nothing in my, one of my most favorite favorite one of my most favorite memories of my life. I shit you not is seeing episode two at midnight. That was the first midnight screening I'd ever been to. Regardless of what you think about that movie, as an 11-year-old at United Artists in Commerce sitting in that theater with everyone cheering with their lightsabers and shit going on when the Star Wars logo came on the screen, it was one of the coolest movie-going experiences I've ever had. I can't wait to feel that way once again December 18th. I never thought I'd be able to say it. I like to see a full movie of with people who respect movies and go and see movies. I think a lot has changed in the movie going experience as far as people since you saw well, episode I do too, two. Because, no, I do too because and cell phones have become a little bit more prevalent. That's true. No, no, I, I do, especially since back then the only movies you saw at midnight were Star Wars. No one would do this. This wasn't a thing back then. And then people decided they could do this for every movie. Um, so you're right. And everyone in, everyone in the world is going to go see this. It's not the hardcore Star Wars geeks that are going to go see this at midnight. It's everyone. So yeah. you're, you're right. The last two movies I saw with a packed theater, Jurassic World, there was a crying baby in my <laughs> show. And the other movie I saw with a crowded theater, Ant-Man, I had people talking on a phone during it. So if I can get a private screening of a movie, hands down, <laughs> yes. I saw Transformers Revenge of the Fallen uh, as a midnight screening. The only person crying was me because <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I just another thing, and you can edit this out if you want. Right? Oh God. It's more of a question. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up the, because 
for maybe since two weeks ago, I thought Star Wars was coming out on Christmas Day. And now I see it's December 18th. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they do Christmas Day? Well, I believe December 18th is because Friday, gonna right? Go. It's the biggest movie day of the, of the year. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, and there's family, nothing. And wanna... there's nothing coming out on Christmas Day. Yeah, because no one wants to go up against the second weekend of Star Wars. Except <laughs> Point Break. Point yeah. Break. And, and nobody and wants to leave it. their house on Christmas. No, I, I think it's a good decision on their part. I think. Think of it this way. People are going to see that movie on Christmas regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Think of it this way. They're going to release it the week before. People are going to talk about it with their family on Christmas. And people who haven't seen it are going to be like, well, let's go see it tomorrow or tonight or whatever. I think it's going to break the record for consecutive weeks domestically at number one. Probably like three or four, I would assume. You think it'll go a whole month as number one? Um, I think, didn't Jurassic World go a whole month? Yeah, I think it, I think you're right. I don't, I don't know what the record is. You'll go into January. But what the, the hell? Honestly, what the hell? January. <laughs> what the hell is going to beat it in January? To be honest with you, nothing. January. That, you know, January is no well, release. Well, we were we were talking about earlier before the show started about how we think it's 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 kind of strange that they're doing this movie in, in December because it's like aside from Harry Potter and and Lord of the Rings, historically your big movies you premiere them in May, you premiere them in April, you premiere them in July maybe if you're Chris Nolan, but um, I think now that we're sitting here talking about this, it's like if you release this movie this May. Right, Jurassic World will take a week. You know, they'll take a weekend, and Age of Age of Ultron takes a weekend. If you release Star Wars at the end of December, what the hell is going to beat it in January? And Hateful Eight. I mean, people love Quentin Tarantino, but it is it's not, not a family movie. Records, it's yeah. not going to. It's it doesn't. Did you know how big Django was? It was. Big, I don't know. But it's I, don't, huge. I don't know how it's, big was Django. No I I really don't know. Um, it was. I think the biggest R-rated movie maybe in, ever released in theaters um wouldn't that be ted django unchained made 162 um and it was released on christmas of 2012 i mean i don't see it i don't know coming close to beating star wars in january i can see that coming real close on a star wars fifth weekend <laughs> everyone's seen it by that time i'd also say let's go see the new quentin tarantino movie i'd also say you know you have jamie fox in this movie and you have uh you still have christoph waltz and um dicaprio dicaprio i mean those are huge like yeah who do you have in you know in I, I just think that kurt, kurt russell eight. kurt russell's not as big of a draw as jamie fox would be samuel L. jackson is the biggest name yeah, in right in hateful eight so I don't know. We'll see. I just it's you know look people. I think for sure episode two felt this brunt, but a little bit of uh, episode one as well. That if people don't like it the first weekend, it will you know if it sucks, it's not going to break records. That's true. So um, anyways, but I have hope. <laughs> that's our. Uh, I hope it doesn't suck. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> the, if you, okay, so here's another. Maybe I'll. Maybe this is my recommend. This will be my recommendation the week the movie comes out. Have you guys ever seen Fanboys? It's a movie about. It's actually. I. I. I it's. You got to be a Star Wars geek to really fully appreciate it. But it's about 
a group of kids in 1998 and 1999 who they're, they're big, 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 big Star Wars fans. And one of their kid, one of their friends is terminally ill. He's not going to make it to see episode one. So they travel across the country to Lucasfilm, Lucas Ranch, and they, they try to get him to see the film. Anyways, the movie at the end of the movie, the rest of them who haven't seen the movie early go to see the premiere of episode one. And the movie ends with them sitting in the theater before the lights go down. One of them turns to the rest of them and goes, guys, what if it sucks? <laughs> and that's like, I don't know, it's like the perfect way to end that movie. Yeah, and it's good. just the, it's just true because it's like you build your, yeah. you build your, in your mind what this movie's supposed to be like. And we have no idea. So yeah. uh, whatever, we'll see when we get to December, which will come sooner than we think. Um, so that does it for our summer movies in review uh, recap. Um, we end every show with some video on demand recommendations. Guys, real quick, what do you, uh, what do you recommend in this week? Uh, I, uh, to, we're recording this on Wednesday, September 9th, and tonight is the premiere of Madonna's new tour in Montreal. <laughs> so, is that on that? And it's very on? obscure, I know, but uh, I love Madonna, and um, so I'm recommending her uh, documentary Truth or Dare, which is on Netflix, which huh. is kind of is doubles as a concert film, but it's also, I think, one of the most telling and one of the most modern movie documentaries to predict um, reality TV. Because there's a line in it that Warren Buffett says, and I mean, this is in 1993, I think this movie came out, Mm -hmm. and he says, if it's not on camera, what's the point of doing it? And... (laughs) It's so genius. Um, That's on Netflix? That's on Netflix. 1992. Yeah, it's a fascinating look into um, Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour and ups and downs Mm. and um, up and down and all around. Interesting. Um, (laughs) Mitch, recommendation this week. I'm going to recommend a spoof from the Abrams Brothers and Zucker. called Top Secret with Val Kilmer and Omar Sharif is in it. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, I'll just put it this way. One of my favorite jokes in it is Val Kilmer and the girl who I, whose name escapes me um, are fleeing police officers or some you know bad guys, and they hide in uh, – they go through a door that says prop room. And they, yeah. they run through the door and turn on the light, and the room is filled with, like, airplane props. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. Yeah, we talked about that movie when Omar Shreve passed away, and I, yeah. I I love that movie, Top Secret. Val Kilmer is hilarious. He's very good. Right? He's yeah. a funny guy. Not a good Batman, but he's nah. a funny guy. And uh, he's funny in that. He's hilarious in MacGruber. I mean, I, <laughs> I just love Val Kilmer. I also recommend Top Secret. Go see that, mm-hmm. everyone. But I also my my recommendation. I know I mentioned this you get to you guys off the air, but I finally I finally finished it. So I'm recommending Attack on Titan, the the anime movie uh, or anime TV show. Um, I was totally, uh, yeah, I was I was just it, it's it was one of the most exciting anime series I've watched, and I can't wait for the next season, which is, supposedly is coming. And I know there's like a Japanese live action film. And I think they're trying to make an American one too, but. Um, Attack on Titan is great. I'm so used to watching uh, anime dubbed, so it was a new, interesting experience for me because on Netflix it's not dubbed to just uh, listen to the Japanese and read it, and that was cool. I, I like don't ever hear it. I don't know. It's good. To, it's good to listen to the Japanese because that's how it's meant to be uh, watched. I think. 
Um, cool. Well, that about wraps it up. Next week, we'll be back to our normal ways. We'll, we'll see a film, and we'll uh, come here and discuss it. Um, for Colin and Mitch, I'm Kale. Uh, be sure to uh, hit us up on Twitter at WordsDT or shoot us an email at WordsFilmCast at gmail.com. We'll uh, see you guys next week. So Bye, long, guys. farewell, off eaters, goodbye. <laughs> That's the song that we're going to use. With This has been a WoodwardsDetroit.com production, your Detroit avenue to alternative pop culture talk.